0: You're out on patrol in eastern Afghanistan near the Pakistan border. Bad guys could be anywhere and they are everywhere. Your six-vehicle patrol is rolling through town when boom. A car bomb goes off and you're certain that you just lost some of your men. But the car bomb was just the beginning of the ambush, a complex ambush from multiple directions. You return fire, killing bad guys and repelling the ambush so you can get away from the threat and get back to safety somehow all of your men make it back to friendly lines alive. However, only 20 minutes after the firefight and only a few more after returning to base, Major Fred Galvin and his Marine Raiders now found themselves in a different fight as a major television network has already reported that they had just killed throngs of civilians. As outlined in his book titled A Few Bad Men, Major Galvin and his Marines spent the next 10 plus years defending their honor and their reputation and ensuring that the truth is what's on record. I've read this book and it's disturbing. It's disturbing because these men were up against a political machine that presumed their guilt before innocence. Now, I love this country. I love the Marine Corps. And I'd like to hope there's a good explanation for how this came to be, which we'll try to uncover in part two. In the meantime, here's part one of my interview with Major Fred Galvin.
1: From carry the load. These are lessons from the front, stories of service and sacrifice from our military, veterans, first responders, and their families.
0: Oftentimes on this podcast, um, I don't know where the story's going to go when we start. Sure. This is one of the few times yeah. where I know exactly what the story is, and I mean I'm like anxious to get to the lesson. So you and your company um are in country now you are in eastern afghanistan right. uh, near the border of uh, of pakistan and you're right given a mission so yes. you take it from there what's the okay. mission
1: so our mission was to and and we knew this is kind of a red herring paper tiger mm-hmm. it was to get in this area they identified for us as area of operation bulldog on the top of the torbor mountains so we're talking we we landed in february of 2007 okay. in this area 14,000-foot peaks, covered in snow, in the Khyber Pass, the most formidable train in the world. Um, and that was the last place Os- Osama bin Laden had been spotted. So, so is it safe
0: to say that y'all were um, looking for him at that point? Was yes. that part of your mission?
1: Yes, and without getting into detail and uh, anything classified, but we quickly assessed uh, that you know, we were working for our Army Green Beret Colonel mm-hmm. at stationed in Bagram. If there was some high-value target like Osama bin Laden, uh, he'd have green berets yeah. focused on that area, which none of them were. We could not even get any, I'll just leave the terms as production, uh, anything of resource or to provide us of anything of value. So we started doing this on our own uh, through various means of collection. And we quickly realized that, well, when America built, paid for, and the Afghans built this first paved highway called Highway 1. Uh, others referred to it as Hell's Highway because there's so many, you know, the Afghans. Which was
0: between Pakistan and. and yes,
1: the okay. capital cities of Afghanistan and Pakistan. Okay. Since at that time, if you received fire from Pakistan, you could actually temporarily enter into Pakistan and return fire to break contact and to disengage, but you couldn't go into Pakistan. So it was. A, you couldn't start missions that had an offensive purpose to engage into a sovereign right. country like Pakistan. So um, we realized that Pakistan was a training sanctuary. Mm-hmm. So they they would take these jihadists from all over the world, they'd finally radicalize them in Western Pakistan, and then they'd move them across the border because these just bribed the border guard off, which happened. So <laughs> we talk about the 4th of March. Um, we had specific information that there was four fully radicalized suicide bombers in this village Called and Badiko was the very first village on the Afghanistan side. So this was a logistics hub for the Taliban. It was controlled completely by the Taliban. And what we had going on there is we had uh, foreign fighters material coming in. We had opium and poppy that was produced in exchange as barter, like a hawala system being used to fund it, being exported into Pakistan and out uh, to the rest of the world. We were Actually, doing what we were told, the we first part of our mission was to go to that base right on the Torquem Gate. There was an Army military police unit there. I made face-to-face liaison with them to ask them if we could keep a quick reaction force base there because we did want to try to get our vehicles and insert by foot from, from those vehicles so our reconnaissance teams could go up into uh, the Toribora Mountains to conduct our mission where our Army Green Bray Colonel told us to operate. Um, where you were told to operate, where we were, we were told to operate in this area of operation Dang. bulldog. So the guidance, uh, they not just guidance, the exact orders from Colonel Haas, who is my direct boss. We were a special operations task force. So the next hire, the O six or Colonel command, Colonel Christopher Haas reported to him. He said, you will have a quick reaction force. You know, we were going up and doing visual reconnaissance in our vehicles because I personally was asking Colonel Haas's staff every single day for helicopters to get up and insert our teams. We got one approved early on, as soon as we got there, uh, to do a visual reconnaissance and overflight to see, you know, any rat lines, places where we could insert teams, give us a visual layout of the land, and it further confirm that there's no no one's moving up right. in those mountains. I just wanted to uh, to see the distance and how fast we could react from that base into that area of operation on the mountains. Yeah, a little practice run. Taliban controlled village is probably gonna give you very little. Right. But there's a lot of intangibles that people who are trained in human intelligence can can analyze and pick up and build pieces of the picture just by being in that village and interacting with the tribal elders and in what they call a shura or tribal leader engagement. What time of the day was this? When we, good question. So he passed through there in the morning at six o'clock, and it was a normal. Because there was a bazaar there called the Marco Bazaar, and uh, normal atmospherics. You know, men, women, children, hustle and bustle, exchanging different uh, commodities. So it's already hustling at zero six. Zero six, they're already starting their day. Okay, come back three hours later to do the tribal leader engagement. As we enter the road from the base of the Torbor Mountains and start heading. Uh, west back to our base and as soon as we got on that highway the atmospherics quickly started to change we saw uh, men and only men lined up on both sides of the road military age men Um, okay
0: all right i'm going to stop you there because i want to make sure that 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 this is really clear to any listeners or viewers so you it's 06 you're you're traveling
1: eastbound eastbound through the village towards pakistan yes
0: okay three out. And at that point it's hustling and bustling. You've got yeah, normal you've got pattern of life, normal pattern of life, women, children, elders, yes. nothing other men, out of the ordinary, nothing out of the ordinary. Three hours later, after you've, you've, you've done your reconnaissance, uh, and, yes. and your face to face, you come back through. So now we're talking zero nine, nine o'clock. Um, and you're, you're traveling West at this point, you come through and you said things are totally different.
1: Yes. And Good point, and I want to include this because when we were doing the face-to-face at the little base, the U.S. Army military police base at Torkum Gate is what it's called, at the actual Afghan-Pakistan border, we were at that base, and as we got off our vehicles and going in to do our coordination with their officer, something strange and shocking happened. And a normal person may have been like, well, that's not... they were doing rehearsals on their vehicles. So they had a non- who's who's they? They were the, the Army Military Police. Okay. A platoon of them was uh, getting ready. They had vehicles in line. This is it, you know, after sunrise. Right. And so most people would say, you know, that's that's good, that's normal. They had a non commissioned officer, like a sergeant, out there yelling like contact front, doing emergency action procedures. And so most people would think Training, sure. Training good. Problem is daylight. This is surrounded by, this is in the Khyber Pass, surrounded by mountains, owned by the Taliban, controlled, uh, enemy sanctuary. So they're observing everything that's going on and you're telegraphing your next moves. You're telegraphing not just that you're about ready to step off on a patrol fairly soon, but you're you're telegraphing your reactions. So they'd say contact front and their procedure, literally, I don't care what the army said, but. Thirty men in our patrol, U.S. Marines and some corpsmen, would see their contact front. They duck down in the turret, and they're like, drive, drive, drive. So their procedures, no kidding, completely opposite of what we're training the Marines is. You fight through the ambush, right? You know, you don't turn and try to bolt out of there. You you stop and engage in attack into the direction that you know is that you're being attacked. Mm-hmm. Theirs was duck and run. Okay, so that morning. They're telegraphing like we're about ready to leave. We're doing these procedures. You know, they've conditioned the enemy like okay, we're before we leave, we're gonna you know practice, and then here's here's specifically what we do. That's like Tom Brady like you know publicly having the the press you know and and audibly like hey here's the two fifty two. This is the play, and here's how we're gonna do it. when uh, I mean, those things like in the business world, those are you know trade secrets. Sure, you, know, you protect that intellectual property uh but their lives are on the line not just uh
0: Okay so so these 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 soldiers that were um that were working on their uh emergency action drills were they traveling with you
1: No okay no. so
0: so this was they were just doing this in the event that something happened in their world
1: They were preparing for a patrol
0: They were okay and so the observers the enemy observers yes were watching that Yes and, and the first thoughts that are going through my mind are two. Number one is, okay, so that's what they're going to do right? When, when we hit them. And number two is, or, or it could be, or they're preparing to come hit us. Yes.
1: Or what I believe is that's what allowed them, you know, we're, we both attended the infantry officer course together mm-hmm. for a year as young lieutenants. That allows, just like you're on a range, that is your preparation time. You're yes. allowing the enemy to set the ambush site. And to, you know, control and rehearse what they're going to do in the kill zone because they, these guys have been there for 12 months and they've been doing this procedure and now they're about ready to leave. So that patrol followed us out. We preceded them and we went south into the Tora Bora mountains off road. Interesting. It, by okay. chance, you know, they hadn't left. We entered the the highway again and started heading into this village and they hadn't left the base yet. So some of this— Interesting set of circumstances. There. Yes. So some of the things in that kill zone probably weren't completely set, but they saw six vehicles, six American vehicles, and it's very hard to distinguish a tan Humvee that is the only person you see is a, the, the head of a, a U.S. Marine exposed to the mm-hmm. head of a you know, U.S. Army soldier. But they saw— a patrol heading into this village where they had prepared to attack and ambush Americans. And they had been aware that Americans are just ducking and running and driving through. Okay.
0: So when you were coming back through though, your intention coming into the village was to stop and meet with the elders.
1: That's what we were about. So as we're entering and
0: and were they aware of that?
1: No, they were, we didn't have communication with them. Okay. So and we didn't want to telegraph. They didn't want
0: to telegraph your move. Uh, no. You show up, keep them a little bit off guard, but not not in a hostile yes. way, but right. just in a, you don't give them a chance to prepare like they yes. did. Okay. So they had they had no idea of your intentions to stop in and, and uh, converse with them. So you you pull into the village. where you, give us an idea of the six vehicles, where were you?
1: Okay. So I was what we call bird dogging. And, and you, having been in the infantry, realize it's not normal for the commanding officer to be embedded with a platoon. Correct. So my mission was not to impose myself and replace the platoon commander. Right.
0: That's his platoon.
1: Yes, his platoon. And he was in the third vehicle, so he could see center mast and control, you know, the echelons in his, you know, the, the three vehicles in in the front and three vehicles in the rear. I was tailing Charlie and in the last vehicle which in those vehicles, unless you're the turret gunner, these are uh, in, encased, you know, armored Humvees, like Hummer mm-hmm. trucks. So you can't, because of the blast shield behind you, you can't see anything behind you. And if I'm going to bird dog a platoon, I want to see their actions w- of what they're doing. So from behind, basically being like the umpire, you, you're seeing behind home plate, like right. sitting directly behind home plate everything that's going on across the field. And, and so that was my field of view as we entered that village at nine Oh three in the morning. And as we began to enter, I started seeing this formation, which I described a minute ago, military men lined up on the side of the road, like a parade scowls on their face. You know, we understood like something's about ready to happen. The atmospherics have radically changed. There is no evidence of any women and children. How wide is this road? About 30 feet wide.
0: Okay, so a 30 <clears throat> foot wide road, and they're, paved they're you describe a parade atmosphere from the standpoint that they're basically right up to the road.
1: Yeah, they're belt buckle right on both sides of the road. Okay. As we enter that road, everybody's I mean, that was triggering things in our minds. Okay, heightened sense of security. This atmospherics have radically changed. I say over the radio, stand by, you know, watch out. Boom, a vans pulled in and right in front of our second vehicle and detonated right in front of the front bumper, uh, knocking. There's a Marine behind the medium machine gun in the turret. And he got knocked down with a blast. So a van completely filled with fuel and explosives detonates, uh, right in front point blank range. As far as as close as I am to you and, and knocks that Marine down. He's on fire. He had some shrapnel in his arm. Um, so we come to immediate stop, and in the Marines we do this little herringbone formation. So our vehicles kind of spread out, so we get a little dispersion. First it. one to the left,
0: next one to yes. the right, next one yes. to the left. Okay.
1: So oriented, so we have different sectors of fire, and we're maintaining you know 360 degrees security of what's going on around us. Again, that des- detonation was at 9:03 in the morning. As soon as that happened, you know, I quickly assessed, sent a sent a data call straight back to. Uh, our headquarters, you know, using abbreviations, small arms fire, uh, basically a car bomb for the layman. But mm-hmm. we had a vehicle borne, improvised explosive device detonate on us, and we're receiving small arms fire. So, what had happened? We stopped, we started getting attacked by a vehicle that was coming from the south on this unimproved trail and had three jihadists hanging out of the windows firing AK 47s fully automatic at that vehicle that just got blown up. Okay. And the driver was heading straight at it, T-boning, you know, perpendicular. Uh, and I was like, "This guy's got to be crazy," because I mean, you're you're trying to head straight, driving a Toyota Prado into a steel up armored vehicle. So we didn't know if he had explosives in it. If this is another suicide cell. Well, that, we, that,
0: that's the safe assumption.
1: Yeah, one just went off on us, and we knew there was three more. So, in when you have a vehicle with jihadists firing fully automatic weapons at the vehicle that just got blown up, so our uh, our sergeant in that turret immediately stood up, extinguished the fire that was on him, got behind the medium machine gun, made quick work. And uh, there was a Marine. That vehicle that, uh, that got hit was our most thinly armored because it wasn't completely encased. It had an open troop compartment in the back, which we use for uh, an ambulance. And I believe that the enemy was smart enough to identify the weak vehicle of the six because there's only one that had a open air troop compartment. But the, the youngest Marine we had in our, on our patrol that morning, he, uh, he had the light machine gun and he was in the back of that troop compartment and he stood up and also joined the turret gunner and engaged and killed the, the vehicle that was about ready to T bone them. Uh, again, broad daylight, nine Oh three in the morning, uh, clear flat, uh, no elevation gain or loss. I mean, this was as flat as this table is here. Made quick work, killed them. The driver bailed out of that vehicle. The uh, jihadist driver. Th- the or, jihadist okay. driver bailed out of the Toyota Prado. Uh, later testified against us in court, and uh, we can get into some of that later. Oh yes, we will. Is is the year trial a year later happened? But uh, so we engaged that threat, destroyed the enemy, and then we started receiving fire on the right side. From the north side of the road okay
0: so that, that that's the question i was going to ask again just trying to paint the picture so the the toyota vehicle that you're talking about it's coming from your left flank or straight ahead
1: left flank to the south side of the road okay so t-bone in the second vehicle that just got blown up that's right you said that
0: okay and, and, so, and that
1: vehicle had its communication knocked out by that car bomb so we were not uh effectively communicating to that that vehicle all we did is we see, saw the gunner get up and we we're trying to get a ammo and casualty report to see if like who was when that vehicle got hit it passed through the car bomb I mean, we we're moving down the road about 20 miles an hour passed through there from where i was sitting it looked right behind home plate it looked like every marine was lost like i thought this i mean that was the largest explosion i'd ever seen in my life and mm. i've been in, in combat in Iraq, multiple times, seen tons of ambushes, been a part of tons and of that ambushes. That was the biggest one. That was by far the biggest one. Scorched the trees like 100 feet above us. So uh, it got hit. Uh, we, we saw the turret gunner stand up. Marine and troop compartment, they both engaged, destroyed the Toyota Prado. Uh, and the personnel in there with the exception of the driver? exception the driver who bailed out and... Uh, now I didn't see the driver bail out from where I was because it was a left hand driving vehicle, right? Just like in America. And he bailed out. Uh, but I saw him as we passed him, he stood up and engaged in our turret gunner in my vehicle engaged, but missed him. Uh, but I, I saw as we were driving by this guy with AK 47 firing at us. And then I saw that same guy in the courtroom a year later, testifying that, you know he demands justice and more compensation, and you know the. I'll get into that. Okay, later. we'll get there. Don't, yeah, don't want to have a spoiler because I want to give the total book. This is not a book. I Haven't mentioned a, a few bad men that's coming out. Oh, on June yeah, we're, 7th. we're gonna we're gonna talk yeah. about
0: that a little bit too. So yeah. okay, so that goes off, and you know without without going over every single detail yes. of the uh, of the gunfight. Yes. Approximately how long? From the time that went off, how long is this gunfight happening?
1: We were on that X or the kill zone ambush site for five minutes. Because then we got attacked. Five on minutes. Five minutes. Other side. And again, we're not taught to duck and run. When we get ambushed, we're taught to counterattack. Right. So this vehicle, we got blown up. We assessed. Guys got their guns up, aimed in. The the threat that's coming straight at us on the south side of the road immediately and that's the vehicle that you see on the New York Times. It was, you know, hundreds of rounds were shot through because we had two guys, fully automatic machine guns, aiming straight into the windshield and the hood of that car. That was the
0: known threat at that
1: time. You yes. got to take it out. They killed him. Then we have in the dry riverbed. So a lot of people said, well, you know, there were civilians killed. It's like, no, this was an unimproved trail, completely perpendicular. So our guys were just firing straight into that vehicle that was going, down. that was a desert road. Mm-hmm. So there was, we were in a, area that there was civilians there were civilians as in they some of these people didn't have weapons uh we killed the ones that did have weapons but that vehicle had weapons it was firing at us our marines were shooting direct field of fire straight at that vehicle sure not spraying and praying like they said we fired for 16 miles but again i'll I'll go a, a little bit ahead on the American side, believe this propaganda that we were just spraying and praying for sixteen miles all the way back to our base. Totally false. But so neutralize the threat on our left or south side of the road. Then in this dry river bed on our right side on the north side of the road, formations, dismounted soldiers, start bounding advancing towards us in echelons. Boom, boom, boom. You know, these were trained so, fighters. So
0: dismounted soldiers.
1: Dismounted jihadists, yes. So there's fire. So they're suppressing us as another echelon is moving towards us. And then they pick up. So these that's, are trained. That's, yeah, that's trained. Yes, this is organized, rehearsed. Now, they, I, be, I do believe they, their intention was to hit the Army patrol. They just couldn't distinguish. So there may have been uh, larger formations that had not totally been set, maybe more additional suicide bombers. But at this time in my mind, it's like, okay, we're going to fight and attack or counterattack is we're trained to do, but to hell with the tribal leader engagement. There's no reason to drink chai and try to not at that point. No, su- suss out. Okay, these guys are in full attack mode. We understand that this is an enemy-controlled town, and they just initiated a complex ambush. You know that's coordinated with multiple echelons on us. At that same time as we are returning fire on. On the right side of the road, these Mm -hmm. echelons bounding at us aggressively. So the first vehicle and the second vehicle started to gun in and immediately kill those in the dry riverbed. But we are starting to take fire from uh, on the north side of the road, a hilltop. From a third position. Sniper fire. Later, the Army's uh, criminal investigative division, they have a criminal investigative lab in in Georgia that they had to take off uh, the windshields and the armor of our vehicles, and it was sent there because the, the Air Force Colonel, uh, who had no qualifications to do the investigation, he he opined that we were just crazy and we shot our own vehicles. And he thinks that we could have even planned that and shot them before, but that we panicked and somehow we reached over on the side and shot our vehicles from the side. To is, what motivation? Well, and I, I'm going to get into that, I don't want to totally jump the gun on the, his motivation, but that's kind of a complex story of okay. inter-service okay. rivalry. All right, so let's keep but, going. But the uh, gun battle continued on the right side. Our men made quick work of them, but we're receiving sniper fire. And then, uh, so after that five minutes is over, we've killed the threat. We we are taking fire from a hilltop. Uh, single sniper? single. Multiple. I believe it was single sniper. Okay. Uh, the gunner. The turret gunner with the medium machine gun on vehicle number two at the front of the formation gives his OK because his communication was uh, knocked out. But as soon as we destroyed the threat, he gives the far recognition signal for OK. We knew that they were all up, and so we okay, decided. For
0: somebody it, listening, you're putting your hands over ha- your head, hands your over your the fingertips head, fingertips touch, yeah, your
1: elbows out. Yeah, big, uh, <clears throat> you know, visual signal that that they're ready to move, and the vehicle is not uh, destroyed, that it can move on its own power. So. Uh, we didn't have to rig it to be towed out of there. You know, we were, I was making the decision we we're going to abort this uh, meet and greet with the tribal elders and return to our base. So we start to push out after we have been on the X, the kill zone, for five minutes. Um, as we move out, a uh, a mob had formed. They dragged a vehicle across the road trying to trap us in that kill zone, and a big mob of men advanced. The serge- and As you know, as the Marines, back in that time, were trained... Uh, And things had changed right at that moment. But Marines are not supposed to, before that time, uh, fire warning shots. Like every shot that a Marine fires is supposed to be a lethal shot. Sure. You do not fire unless you're trying to kill somebody. You have the intention to kill them. Right. Uh, That's a big no no. Things had changed right at that time. And we fired warning shots above their head from the number one vehicle. Uh, And basically, that cause is a smart call from that sergeant, heads up Marine. split the Red Sea. So those that mob got out of the, the hell out of the way. And
0: that mob was not and, was and I, I think men, this is important. It's yeah. all men, but that mob was not armed.
1: None of those Marines were so, none of those jihadists were armed, but and none of them were injured. So no nothing hit any of them. But uh, with a medium machine gun, the gunner in vehicle one, that sergeant, you know, aimed above their heads and fired you know, basically like a double header, uh, double overheader surf, for those from Hawaii, uh, <laughs> far enough overhead that you know it's not a threat, but it sounds loud and you see a big burst. They moved off the road quickly, and then we moved around that vehicle that was drug across the road as an obstacle. Were you concerned that that was another bomb? I was not, but I just thought, okay, there's no reason for us to stick around and try to suss out and the, the missions. That mission is over.
0: Sure, sure, sure.
1: Yeah, so we returned— uh, to our base, 15 minutes later, the military police patrol had arrived uh, from their base at Torcom Gate, and they cordoned off the area. There was also Afghan national police that arrived, um, and they they both did, you know, a cordon, and they found brass not just on the road, they found brass in the dry riverbed, and later on, the investigation showed that there was brass inside. Brass is expended. Uh, rifle casing of uh, ammunition, mm-hmm. so there was brass inside the Prado. So, you know, the, but the Afghans were saying, uh, you know, there's no enemy here. There's nobody with weapons, that the Marines threw grenades tra- trying to make it seem, but all of their statements, every single one of them was completely inconsistent. And then, but what happened, to answer your point, we get back to the base. As soon as we dismounted our vehicles, one of the gunnery sergeants, senior uh, enlisted Marine, came up and said, hey, this has already been reported on the uh, British Broadcast Company, B- B- the BBC, that we've killed, that uh, civilians have been killed. And so I knew, okay, this is very sophisticated. This is an information operation campaign, uh, kind of like a double-edged sword. Like, if they kill us, great. If they don't kill us and we kill them, they've already had something pre-made. They had stringers. They were very savvy with information operations more so than we were. But they're going to beat us because they knew like if America does these investigations, it takes weeks or more.
0: Okay, so so let's make sure that we understand this timeline because I think this is... Yeah,
1: 20 minutes after the ambush, this BBC stringers on... So if if somebody died right out here in the corner of Dallas or on a highway, 20 minutes later, the chance of it being broadcast on a major media network Almost impossible, unless you have a network trained and orchestrated with a story ready to go to broadcast that. But twenty minutes—this is already out on BBC.
0: Okay, so so again, I want to I want to go back to a couple of things. So, five minute firefight, tw- you break contact. Twenty minutes, you're back at the base. As you guys are coming up, haven't had time to to file an official report or give any kind of
1: yes uh, of of debrief. Just voice and data. Just of, voice and on, data on of the what's
0: going on. So now you get back. Gunny walks up and says, "Dude, what's going on?"
1: He's hearing civilians killed on the on the BBC, radio. BBC. Yes.
0: A a national or an international, international. Yeah. news network is reporting nineteen civilians killed. Nineteen fi-
1: came later, but that okay. Mor- so civilians a number killed. Yes. Civilians
0: wounded. To, and and in in all of that, the commander of this group is hearing that you guys are in contact, taking fire. His staff, his staff, yes. he walks out at that point. Did our, I, tell our, me, I missed
1: that. Our liaison. So we had a Marine major who is the executive officer for our battalion, our Special Operations Battalion, back at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. He he went forward to basically. You know, he's our advocate at the operations right. center for the Fulbright Army Colonel. Is and he the one who went to take a nap? He he stepped out into the break room, and and he's got fellow Marines that are in contact. You know, to basically hear that you got troops in contact and do and then go to the break room. <clears throat> you know, we're talking Afghanistan. There was a resurgence right at that time in 2007, but this guy didn't do any of the training with us. He hadn't deployed to the war at all, so. And he was, he'd already been passed over once for a lieutenant colonel. So he was trying to get that check in the block on a combat deployment. But he's an intelligence officer. He didn't have any experience in reconnaissance. But these are fellow Marines. Exactly. You're, you're
0: going to have a little bit more attachment yes. to it. Yes. And the and the idea, I mean, and, and listen, I, I haven't heard his side of the story, so I want to be mindful of that.
1: Read the book, it's in there. It's and, sworn statement's in there. Yeah, and the book Testimony. we're talking
0: about is A Few Bad Men that's yes. coming out uh, this summer, June 7th. That I've already ordered my copy for. I just and want to let you know that. The
1: people that don't like to read, it's on Audible.
0: Well, I'll do both, because yeah. um, sometimes I read things that I don't hear, and I hear things that I don't read. So, thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to sharing part two with you. If you are enjoying lessons from the front, please tell just one friend, as I believe these are stories that need to be shared and heard. Also, please take a moment to give us a review on the platform of your choice. We'll talk to you soon.